Welcome to Views from Stadium Boulevard. I'm Harley Johnson. And I'm Hannah Harshi. And we're back for another week of your favorite Michigan sports podcast. And this week, we are discussing Michigan's 51-45 loss to TCU in the Fiesta Bowl, which was the college football playoff semifinals. Um, I just want to take a moment to applaud us because Mm -hmm. this is growth. Typically, we do not record podcasts after such embarrassing losses because um, we're, like, too, I don't know, emotional. Um, but I don't know. We're, we're both approaching the age when our prefrontal cortex is supposed to be fully developed, and maybe this is the result of that. We're able to podcast after an embarrassing loss. Well, I want to say that, in all honesty, it probably wasn't as embarrassing as we probably made it out to be. It was a really good game. Uh, it was just unfortunate that we were on the receiving end of the loss. But I do agree with the growth. Um, because, you know, we kind of like fell off the face of the earth when Michigan was really bad. And so we're, we're sticking true to it. We're going to be positive. We're going to like reminisce on a really good season. We still got 13 wins, which is the most of any Michigan football team has ever done. So... A lot of really good things to remember about this season, but of course it didn't end the way that we wanted it to. But I guess that's just how life goes, you know? Also, Ohio State didn't get in either, so it doesn't really matter at this point. Wow. We've matured so much, Harley. Um, but yeah, it is, it's the best Michigan football season that we've been alive for, that I think anyone who's alive has been alive for. Um, so we mm-hmm. can't lose sight of that, but... I don't think I'm going to be this um, level-headed throughout the entire podcast because I do have things to say, but you're right. We should oh, okay. Yay. be positive because it was – how were you feeling? You were at the game. What were what was your reaction I, in the moment? I Do you want me to take you through my – Please do. <laughs> if you were following the Views Twitter page, you probably, like, saw my descent into madness. <laughs> So, you know, I'm starting out feeling really good, like, really excited. I'm, like, in the lower bowl. I'm surrounded by Michigan fans. Like, Carol Hutchins is, like, two rows in front of me. Like, everything is going great, you know? That's really cool. And, yeah, Donovan rattles off that, like, sweet, super long, like, rushing carry to start the game off. Rushing carry. You know what I'm saying here. And I didn't know which word I wanted, so I said both. And that might be the new receive rushing carry. <laughs> okay, go on, go on. Okay. <laughs> Just want to be silly goofy, you know, to lighten the mood of such a <laughs> dis- I was so distraught. Anyways, the obviously the narrative was like, oh Michigan, like we're gonna stop their run, make JJ throw, and then, you know, Donovan does this rushing carry and it I was losing my mind. And then of course, you know, things kinda like sputter along and the initial like woo like really like tanks and it slowly I don't remember I probably just tuned out honestly when we I all I remember is going down 14 nothing and you texted me and you're like is this like the largest deficit we've ever been in and I said yes <laughs> and then of course you're just sputtering along sputtering along bless Jake Moody's heart but I really wish we scored some touchdowns and, like many people said, we're just acting like we were down by, like, 80 points at half. And it felt like we were, because P. 
people were feeding me this narrative for weeks, almost an entire month, to be like, Michigan's the better team, Michigan has this, Michigan has that, Michigan's gonna win, you know, over a touchdown favorite, and people were just feeling my ego, and I was like, this is gonna be easy, not easy, but you know, as everyone was saying, like, this is the easiest way for Michigan to get into the national championship, and we still ended up losing. All that aside, obviously we come charging back in the second half. I'm losing my mind, losing my voice. I'm, like, running around the concourse. I have a nice Americano. I feel great. You know, we're pulling within three. I'm like, we all we got to do is get this one stop and score, go down the field, score. And I think you said it on Twitter, and you're like, is this what watching the Big 12 is like? Because it's, like, so true. No defense is going on right now. They were just... You know, J.J. McCarthy is, like, leading a touchdown drive in less than a minute. I didn't know how to respond to such things. Yeah, I was like, this is how I feel. It's, like, so fast. (laughs) Whenever I watch any, like, non-Big Ten game, like, specifically Big 12, but, like, any non-Big Ten game, it's such a culture shock because I'm like, oh, my gosh, this team is ahead by a touchdown. The other team will never be able to come back from that. And then it's, like, every drive, like – someone scores and I'm like I I don't know how to watch this kind of football and that's what was happening (laughs) but I feel like my experience was very different from yours other than like obviously Mm. I wasn't there so you're feeding off the energy in the stadium but I Mm -hmm. never like I don't know I even as Michigan got close I didn't feel like Michigan was going to win like there were there were moments where I was like wait a second it's like actually really possible that they could but I never Mm -hmm. had that like gut feeling that they would whereas like maybe it's because Michigan's never had to play from behind at all this season like to this extent we put we did that against Illinois yeah, yeah that's why the same extent. like barely yeah so like but every other time that Michigan has struggled it's like it occurs to me like oh my gosh they could actually lose this but this time it was like mm. it would sometimes occur to me like oh my gosh they could actually win this like it was the opposite mm. it never really felt like it was Michigan's game to win that's so true and I talked about it a little bit in an article that I wrote. It was just from the get-go, you could totally tell. And it was my bad for forgetting that the schools in Texas, their fans were insane. Just they're so loud. I don't know how they pulled it off because, you know, on our side of the field, like you could totally tell that, that Michigan fans like showed out. But for whatever reason, like every single fan from TCU has the voice of like five people. It was so <laughs> loud in there. And they were crazy. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is Texas that we're talking about. This is arguably probably one of the best teams in Texas because, you know, Texas laid an egg and then Texas A&M did nothing with the number one recruiting class. So it, it made total sense. And I I don't even Oh, yeah, when they took the field, like, you know, you knew they were there. When they were doing anything, like, you knew Texas, like, Christian University was doing whatever. And, like, <laughs> it... They were playing from the jump as if they had that mentality of we're not losing today. Mm. And I think that really hit Michigan really hard. And we didn't really have the ability to get over that initial shockwave fast enough. They came out swinging and it took us a long, long time to kind of match that energy. You can see it in the second half, but like I was saying, it was kind of a little bit too little too late at that point. If we had that same, like if we had met them with that same energy, that same tenacity, we probably could have honestly won. And I kind of attribute that, like Texas 
I keep wanting to call him Texas A&M. TCU just really were probably reading the same things that I was, and they were being doubted for an entire month. And they showed up ready to say, hey, we deserve to be here. We're going to beat Michigan, this huge household name, and we're going to go to the national championship. So hats off to them for that. But it was obviously, being a Michigan fan, it was like the worst experience of my life. (laughs) Do you want to give your aroma... Harl? Sure. I mean, I kind of probably touched on a lot of these things already, but I will reiterate it again. Hopefully. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me get out my timer because this is the ultimate around the Harl. This is where we're going to decide who the true winner is of the season. Oh, shoot. You're so right. (laughs) This is for the national championship here. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. They (laughs) at least were in the national championship. We are the national champion. (laughs) I wonder, like... I don't know. We haven't kept score in quite some time. <laughs> okay, whatever you're ready. That's so true. Okay. Michigan ended 2022 with a 51-46 loss to TCU in the Verbo Fiesta Bowl in Glendale, Arizona. I had the misfortune and fortune to be there at an incredible semifinal game. If it wasn't Michigan playing, it would have been the most entertaining thing I saw that day besides Georgia OSU shortly thereafter. Anyway, Donovan ran off to some 54-yard rush, and I thought it set the tone. Then it didn't, and we quickly were down 14-0. <laughs> to put me in a terrible mood, and then all we had was field goals to show for it in the first half, and I, like many, believe that the actual two-score different difference at half was like 70 because it was so upsetting to see. Michigan was firing in the second half, pulling within three at one point, but then missed a tackle by mere inches, gave up a 76-yard touchdown to TCU, and we couldn't get past them. I hurt so bad in my heart, and I wanted to leave like 15 times. It was such a good game, though, and I am better now because Ohio State shanked the field goal. We blew out Ohio State on the road, and we won a Big Ten championship again. All's well that ends okay. Ooh, that was exactly one minute. Yeah, let's go! <laughs> wow, what a way to end A W season. for me. <laughs> Um, no, I have one critique, <laughs> and it's that you said okay. this final score was fifty-one forty-six, and you gave us one more point. <laughs> Maybe oh, if we haven't gone, hadn't gone for two that one time. Oh, uh, I wrote forty-six because I was like, we lost by six. Yeah, that's my that's my bad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I knew there was a six in there somewhere, and it was because we lost by six. Fifty-one forty-five. We lost by six points. <laughs> um. I think mine is going to be more than a minute. I'm so sorry, but I couldn't be concise this time. It's okay. Okay. I'll I'll allow it because I botched the score, so. (laughs) But you were exactly (laughs) a minute. So, like, it's not going to be like last time where one of us is over and one of us is under and we average each other out. But that's okay. It's very Um, much so that I won. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're like, you can do whatever you want because I already won. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Exactly. Tell me when I can go. Yeah, whenever you're ready. Michigan should have won this football game. Instead, they came out with some of the worst offensive and defensive line play I've ever seen from them and some of the strangest play calling. What the heck does Jim Harbaugh do to prepare for bowl games? Michigan did not look at all like the team that beat OSU, won the Big Ten, and went 13-0 this season. TCU looked stronger, faster, more disciplined, and more prepared. Michigan had two pick sixes, a goal line fumble, multiple dropped passes, missed tackles, and lots of other silly mistakes. The back-to-back Joe War Joe Moore Award-winning offensive line looked weak. It allowed four sacks and three tackle thir- 
not three, 13 tackles for loss and could not create holes, so the run game was basically non-existent after the opening drive. Somehow, Michigan ended up making enough big plays to keep them in the game until the very end. They were always within a couple scores, but they never had a lead. Random big plays kept them in the game. In the end, Michigan got outcoached. Michigan's historic season is now over, and TCU will go on to face Georgia in the national championship game. I should also note that to everyone besides Michigan and possibly TCU fans, this was apparently the most fun game to watch in college football history. However, I did not have fun. Not college football history, college football playoff history. However, I did not have fun. Oh, you did really well. You have 110. Oh. Okay. Good job. Uh, Thanks. If, I don't really have a critique, but I have, like, a praise, and I... You did a really excellent job at, like, summarizing that I was so enraptured by the first, like, half of, like, year around the hand. I was like, wow, this is, like, dripping in facts. It's so good and, like, so true. <laughs> Aw, that's so kind. It was so good. Excellent job. What a way Thank for you. the two of us to end the around the hand and Harl for our delightful Michigan football team. Yes. Do we want to do our final glows and grows? The final glows and grows. I'm sure you like touched on it a little bit. Um, I think we can probably both agree that the glow was the, our very own Jonathan James McCarthy, especially in the second half. He didn't let his performance or like the pick sixes like really dampen his mood at all. And when they finally let him run, uh, you could see the difference in play that we had and there was just so much more available to our offense once JJ was allowed to like use his legs more in the second half. And I think a lot of people can agree, no offense to Cade McNamara, have fun in Iowa, but Cade would not have put up as many points. He wouldn't have led those like super efficient and fast touchdown scoring drives that we had in the second half. And just the fact that JJ was playing like that in his first year as a starter first appearance as a starter in a college football semifinal I am over the moon with how excited I am for him being back on then this fall it's going to be a great that this team is going to be honestly probably better in the fall of 2023 I am super excited to see where he's going to go and the way that just that poise that he had to still, like, have that tenacity, like we were talking about. Like, he played the second half matching the energy that TCU came out with. And when TCU's defense was getting gassed, he used that to, in the second half, he used that to his advantage and was scoring like a madman and trying so hard to get Michigan out of that deficit. Of course, it would have been great and, like, cherry on top if he could actually, like, pull out the win. Unfortunately, it didn't happen, but, you know... I don't know if you went over his yardage yet, but 343 passing yards is probably the most that we've seen with our own two eyeballs from a Michigan quarterback since we started attending school. So a lot of promise there, and he was probably this the glow of the show, you know? The glow of the show. (laughs) The glow of the show. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad we agree on this. I put not, like, JJ himself, but, like, his vibes as the Mm -hmm. glow um, because he did throw two pick sixes, which if he mm-hmm. hadn't thrown those, Michigan would have won because Michigan lost by six points. However, I also think they would have lost by more without him. Um, mm-hmm. Because, okay, first of all, 
J.J. McCarthy said before the Michigan-Ohio State game that he would rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. And I was about mm-hmm. to say that he was a warrior in a garden during this game, but, like, the game was very much not a garden, so I feel like he was more like a warrior in a war. Um, mm. He So true. Was, thank you. So, like, yeah, he did throw those two pick sixes, which mm-hmm. sort of cost Michigan the game. But I also just think his heart. vibes throughout were, like, he didn't I don't know we've seen so many Michigan teams that get discouraged and give Mm -hmm. up during games and he was in it the whole time uh like Harley said he had um his career high passing yards at 343 yards he made some good rushing plays he had a few good deep balls um and after his second pick six he ran twice for 59 yards and had a touchdown drive so he like he Mm -hmm. stayed in it I also thought there was a funny moment Harley I don't know if you saw my tweet but he like mouthed like I want to say in the third or fourth quarter the commentators were like okay so they kept showing his mom his girlfriend and his little sister who has the exact same face as him in the stands and then the commentators were like JJ just mouthed to his family don't worry we're gonna win this I'm like how do you mouth that and I kept like looking in the mirror like trying to mouth that and seeing if people would be able to read my lips and I'm like I feel like that's too long of a phrase um so that's my one criticism. <laughs> Other than that, love the vibes. It's like speaking from somebody who is in the stadium, I don't think they would have been able to see his mouth move. I mean, I, I mean, granted, like, I was a lot further away from yeah. the field than JJ's family was, but still, there's no way they could have seen that. Right. <laughs> no offense. Though I don't know what they're doing or saying. Maybe like they were playing telephone and he like had that message like passed along to the announcers and the announcers and broadcasters like passed that along to his family, but I don't think they were able to see that. <laughs> um, do you have any grows? Uh two grows. And also you two grows. Uh the play calling, like what was that? In the first half what were we doing? <laughs> The Philly you know, special. Uh, we're getting s- the silly special. <laughs> Is that what you said? <laughs> because it was silly. <laughs> I thought you were I'm calling coining it the that silly term. Special. The silly. I special. thought you were. We're coining this term right here, right now, in Views from Stadium Boulevard. The silly special is what we just what we witnessed. <laughs> I feel like we've All seen a few silly specials silly under Harbaugh. On yes, just I don't know what they're. I liked how a lot of people were saying, like, Michigan's trying to act cute, and they shouldn't be. We were really, like, just going against, like, what was our tried and true. And I know a lot of people were frustrated that we didn't really have, like, a running game. But, you know, Donovan Edwards was still averaging, like, three to four yards a carry. It also, like, and like Coram wasn't in the game. Like, Blake Coram is it, yeah, the one who Blake can, like, Coram see the holes there. and, like, make something out of nothing. Donovan Edwards just, like, he isn't there yet. He's great on explosive plays, but he doesn't have the Blake Coram, mm-hmm. like, making a somehow a 10-yard carry when you should have only had three. He just, he's not there but like, yet. But, like, we always know, you like, you know, you have pretty much, like, three plays to get the first down. And if you average, like, three to four yards, like, you pretty much guaranteed the first down every time so I don't know why we were like going away so hard and maybe you know I wasn't noticing it as much like the defense was really just like forcing us to have JJ throw I'm sure they were because we weren't used to that style of defense and they were doing exceptionally well at containing our run game the ends were also really good at being locked in on on TCU's side so 
but that doesn't like negate the fact that we were still averaging about like you know it'd be like a second and seven second and six you know that kind of thing and it just kind of stunk that we pulled so far away from the beginning because when you start this game off you're probably super unsettled like the nerves are high like you everything is kind of all at once and you're kind of overwhelmed in the sense and our defense was kind of unsettled our offense was unsettled and so they were trying to do these cutesy things on both sides of the ball that TCU was just like you said they're super disciplined in this game they didn't really appear to have that same uh unsettledness to them when they were playing and so they were taking advantage of it because we weren't and adding in all these things that could have worked but we were not ready um just made it look goofy and I was just really frustrated that we weren't doing things that had led us to success in the past and we didn't need like we could have pulled those things out you know in the second half if we were already up by like 14 plus or whatever no need for us to act like that to come out and then you know it was Gardner in a war type of play calling. It was like a Gardner in a garden type play calling. I don't know. <laughs> no, I feel like a Gardner in a war would call the play special. Um, yeah. <laughs> Wait, was that all on your grow of play calling? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. Uh, okay, I'll say my other grow and you tell me if it's the same. Okay. Okay, my other girl is both the offensive and defensive line. Um, I feel like on both sides of the ball, Michigan lost at the line. They just looked weak, and it's weird because our offensive line has been our pride and joy this entire season, but they Mm -hmm. had the worst game of their lives. Um, Four sacks and 13 tackles for loss, like I said earlier. That's just, like, what? Um, They struggled against the 3-3-5 defense. They were struggling to identify which defenders were pass rushing, and they just couldn't create enough holes for our run game. It was just like, it was not what we've seen from our offensive line. And then the defensive line play was also just bad. Like, Max Duggan had so much time in the pocket. He could have, like, meditated. Like, he could have done whatever he wanted back (laughs) there. Um, So, I don't know. I It's, like, weird for this team to say that, like, our offensive and defensive line was our weak spot. Like, what's going on there? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. (laughs) I did not have our offensive line or defensive line. I think even though we had two receivers that were over 100 yards, I think our main issue that at least I was getting frustrated with is, and I know we've been – back and forth on this for like years now but it was noticeable that our receiving core like as highly touted as we thought they were going to be this season has kind of felt flat and that's not to like negate you know two receivers Roman Wilson and Ronnie Bell having over 100 yards of receiving but there is a a huge difference in talent that you can tell especially when we were watching Mr. TCU Johnston. Play and yeah, and TCU, Ohio State, Georgia, like uh, they're, you know, the Alabamas of the world. You just see the difference in level of play in the receiving room. And I know that it's easy to write off because our offense is usually, well, historically now, 
just been so heavy on the run game. But now that we had to like rely on our receivers a lot more often and it's still you can notice the difference and it's it's frustrating and I don't want to say that because I love our receivers. They're a joy to behold. But at the same time you just <laughs> know like Michigan is still behind in that space and for all the depth that we thought we have, we don't really have much. And <laughs> I still think that's a good space just like Overall, that Michigan can grow as a program, and I just, I just really want, like, elite talent there, um, and I think that would definitely just elevate us to a different level, um, especially when we're playing these types of out-of-conference games against, like, really tough opponents. Like, those missed balls would be, like, pretty much a non-option. Like, you know, you think Marvin Harrison Jr. is dropping anything? No. And, uh... I just wish that was better. So just, like, more of, like, as a whole. Not necessarily this game. Yeah. Um, Colson Loveland had this, like, really nice pass. And, um, well, catch. JJ had the nice pass. Yeah, the receipt. Right through, like, a d- defender's hand. Oh, my God, it was crazy. Um, so it's there. I just... I just think that's a space that we need to grow a little bit more. Yeah, I and, agree. You know, we could be right up there. And I also feel like... I don't want to say Blit Quorum held our receiving core back, but it was kind of a, I mean, obviously, we Michigan wouldn't be in the college football playoff without Blit Quorum, Mm-mm. but I do think, like, as soon as he was injured, it was like, okay, now we got to figure this out, and then they showed more potential. It's like, okay, this, they could have figured this out, but, like, because it was just so much safer to go with Blake Quorum, and I would have done the same thing, like, I don't think that was a bad choice, but... Um, mm-hmm. our receivers didn't have as much of a chance to develop as you would have hoped. But then at the same time, like, I, how much time do they need to develop? Like, these aren't young players. <laughs> I mean, in the grand scheme of life, they're young, but in the grand scheme of college football, they're not. Also, Harley, mm. <laughs> when you said mm. they're a joy to behold, at first I thought you said they were a joy to hold. And then I was thinking about how you Maybe always used to too. say you, I was like, when did you hold them? And I was remembering well, you how you it. said you wanted to carry, um, like Xavier Simpson around in like a stroller or something, in like a baby carrier. <laughs> do you remember you used to it's say so that? Cute. I would still want to do that. <laughs> I don't know why you said remember when you used to. I'm pretty sure you still do. Okay. Um... Cool. So a lot of room for growth. Unfortunately, they're not going to be able mm-hmm. to do that because the season's over. Um, but yeah, for, yeah. The, for next season, I guess. Wow. I've never been this sad for a football season to be over. Usually I'm a little relieved. And yet, we're not. I'm also sad. Wow. This is new. I, I was having so much fun. Until I didn't have fun. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have fun during the Ohio State game, during the first half. I didn't have fun during, like, the first half of actually a lot of games. But other than that, <laughs> it's been fun. And also when I didn't have fun in the first half of other games, like, Michigan still had a lead the whole time. It was just, like, not as mm-hmm. much of a lead as I wanted. It's so true. Do you want to do two treats and a lie? I would love to do two truths and a lie. All right. Here, pull up my two truths and my two lies. Two lies? Oh, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> oh, I was like... I was really, like, focused on the two. I don't have two <laughs> lies. I have one lie. 
Okay. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> no, do like you want to go? Or would do you, you like to go? go? I can go. Are you like really frazzled now? Okay, you go first. Okay. okay. I'm frazzled. I'm like, what number am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Michigan and Nebraska have both not won a bowl game since 2015. Nebraska is undefeated oh. in bowl games since 2017. This is the first time Michigan allowed 50 plus points since 2020. Um, I'm going to go with the second one. Nebraska is undefeated in bowl games since 2017. Yes. Um, that is true because they have not been bowl eligible <laughs> in any of those years. Yeah, so I was they like, have not been I don't defeated. Think he's been in one. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to me for being smart. <laughs> <laughs> so that one is true. The lie is um, the la- the last time Michigan allowed fifty plus points was twenty nineteen against OSU. They never allowed fifty plus points in twenty twenty. I wouldn't have been shocked if we did. But yeah, again, I was like, I plucked all those games so out. I was like, so I was like, that's definitely true because there's no way that the 2020 team didn't allow like 50 million points. Yeah. No, I think well like, done. <laughs> they just didn't score that as many points as the other team did, which is the key to winning. Yeah, literally. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yes. For two truths and one lie. Okay. Two truths, one Featuring line, got two it. Two truths in a line, yeah. <laughs> Number one. This is a whole, this is a long one, to be prepared. Michigan lost their sixth bowl game in a row over the last seven years. Now, this was the closest margin since 2017 when South Carolina beat Michigan 26-19. to 19. Number two. This is also kind of long. This was the most points allowed all season, and Michigan led in every category. First downs, total yards, passing yards, and rushing yards. Number three. Roman Wilson's first touchdown was actually a touchdown. <laughs> okay, that one's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, we haven't even gotten into officiating pocket. just because I feel like that's kind of like, <laughs> like, what do you say? Like, there's bad officiating. <laughs> like, okay. You can hear it right now that that was a touchdown. Yeah, that was a touchdown. So we, 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 all we all know. We all know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Your points have so many points. I don't know. <laughs> I think, I don't know, the first one's a lie. Can you repeat the first one? The first one was Michigan has lost their la- their six of, six bowl games in the, in a row over the last seven years. I don't know why I struggle so hard with one sentence. This was their closest margin uh, since 2017 when South Carolina beat Michigan twenty six to nineteen. Okay, like one A is true. They it's they they have a bowl game losing streak. I know that because I feel like I've never watched Michigan mm-hmm. win a bowl game since I was a child, um, and I was a child. I was a child just six years ago. <laughs> and very, very nice. <laughs> um, if this is yeah, I feel like this is the closest because I feel like usually Michigan like gives up in the second half in bowl games. Or, like, doesn't – now that I'm thinking about it, didn't they, like, beat Georgia in the second half? But, like – anyway, I feel like this is the closest margin. <laughs> okay. Confirm or deny? I confirm. 
get this into D, the closest margin that we've had since 2017. Oh, oh wait, wait. I was guessing the truth. I need to guess the lie. Can you read the second one again? <laughs> so just by process of elimination here, the second one is the lie. Okay. Um, and it was, this was the most points allowed all season. Um, and Michigan led, led across every category. So oh. first downs, total yards, passing, and rushing yards. The only place that we didn't lead TCU was in rushing yards. Mm. We led them in pretty much everything else. Interesting. Except for well, points. I guess they also led us in the score, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, superlatives? Uh, yeah. So here we go. We already had kind of like the overall award show a couple episodes ago. So this one's kind of to, to tie the bow on the football season so there probably aren't as many um superlatives to give out so if you want to hear more superlatives go back like two episodes for our award show and then you can see who kind of won all our big categories but the first one that we want to start with and we kind of already talked about at the beginning of the episode was the growth award um we're gonna give that to ourselves because we've seen a lot of growth just in general um being able to get up on this podcast and talk knowledgeably about a game that made us sad and not being super depressed about it is really big especially for me as Han definitely knows I'm probably the most dramatic between the two and while I was exceptionally dramatic on Saturday I got over it pretty fast and I think that was really big for me I agree I'm proud of you thank you (laughs) um (laughs) Our diaper dandy of the week, unfortunately, isn't going to anybody. None of the diapers were really too dandy. We do have a runner-up for diaper (laughs) dandy of the week. So first place is nobody. Mm -hmm. Second place is Colston Loveland. He had a a good game. Um, He had four receives for 36 yards. Um, The closest freshman who came... The freshman who came the closest to doing something was Colston Loveland. (laughs) The closest to being the dandiest. Yes. Right. So, you know, our most prestigious award uh, here at Peaceham Stadium Boulevard is the Vibe the Vibes Award. And we both agreed on this one player. And even though um, some of the things like went bad, but most of it was positive. <laughs> so we selected JJ McCarthy for Vibe the Vibes. Um, pick sixes aside, and we talked about it a lot already in this episode, is he played with probably the most heart, and I think just playing like that kept everybody else in it. And you just saw a a level to his play that just made you, like, super excited about him as a player and as a whole. And, you know, in his press conferences, he said, like he did last year, like, we're going to be back, and I fully believe that he's going to deliver um, on that promise that he had. And, you know, just his ability to extend plays grew a lot. And he was super efficient with his legs. His arm looked really good. That one, like, we, in re- reference to our runner up, Diaper Dandy Colson Loveland, he had a great catch, like you already said, like right in between pretty much a defender's hands. And he just, what is it they called? Like, string the needle or whatever. I don't know, whatever it's called beautiful pass by J.J. McCarthy, and it really just left his energy the entire game. 
and I'm super excited to see him next year. He's going to be great. Yeah. Anything we were both, like, almost <laughs> nervous to tell each other because we were, like, vibes the vibes, and then we were both silent, and then we're like, I have an idea. I don't know if you're going to like it. And then we both have the same <laughs> idea. <laughs> because, I mean, like, I have seen people, like, I don't know, but there are mixed opinions. Some people are like, J.J. McCarthy lost Michigan the game, which – I don't know. There were There's so some many things to that, that but... cost Michigan the game. Yeah. <laughs> there were so many things that cost Michigan that game. Like, do right. you his pick sixes were just, like, one amongst a laundry list. You and could blame officiating. Anything, like, he's, many people yeah, are. You still make up for it with everything else that he did. I agree. Was it frustrating? Yes. But if you, like, take those two things aside, like, the rest of the performance was exceptional. Agreed. And again, not to dock Cade, but, like, he could not have done that. I saw a tweet I'm that was, I'm like, sorry if you want to be sad about it. <laughs> that was, like, Cade, um, Cade would have done that. It was, like, after JJ did something with his legs that Cade just, like, simply does not have the mobility to do. It was, like, Cade no, would have, um, would have done that with leadership and determination and grit. It was, like, making fun of the people who say that, like, it doesn't matter that Cade's la- less athletic, like, he has the leadership and motivation and grit and tenacity. It's like at the end of the day, like those are those intangibles are really important for a quarterback. But like, mm-hmm. it also like JJ seems to have all of that. So I'm not sure what the concern. Yeah, it was is. like, are you, are you like assuming that JJ doesn't have that as well? Because yeah. obviously, way back in week two, we were able to establish that he had those things, and then also had the athletic mobility. So that's why he won the starting job. Yes. We glad take. we could rehash that. <laughs> you can We're go back to episode there. one if you want to want to know why JJ McCarthy won the starting job. Um, so Vibe to the Vibes is our most prestigious award. However, this week we have an award called Vibe mm-hmm. to the Vibes, but more prestigious, um, which is slightly mm-hmm. more prestigious than Vibe to the Vibes. That award goes Correct. to Jake Moody. Um, he is Michigan's kicker. Um, he now has the most Ooh. points ever scored by a Michigan player at 355 points. And in this game, he had the longest field goal in Michigan history and in college football playoff history and in Jake Moody history, which was 59 yards. Um, that's really far to kick a ball. Um, and I have to agree to kick it's it so accurately <laughs> between and from what I've heard, I don't think I didn't watch it. Um, what I heard, um, he still had yards to go. And um, by not watching it, do you mean that you were just you were there, but your eyes were closed? Yeah. <laughs> or I was pouting. It was one of the two. I was probably pouting. So I my favorite tweet from you during the game because you were live tweeting the game, but your tweets were like, "I'm not watching." My eyes. There was one point where you were like. Um, I don't know what happened because I was covering my eyes. <laughs> and I re- think I replied. I was like, this is the Michigan sports coverage you don't get anywhere else. <laughs> no one else can give you that. Um, the more that I was sitting there, I was like, how on earth do, like, all of, like, the other, like, actual, like, Michigan, like, beat writers and our counterparts just sit there with their eyes open the entire time? <laughs> I can't fathom how they just watch that train wreck with open eyes. I could not. <laughs> I think that's also what they made me realize... They have a strength that I don't have. <laughs> like, I didn't want to be, like, a, like, full-time, like, sports media person when I was in college because, like... Look at it. Every time we... Like, every time Michigan had a horrible game, we j- would just not acknowledge it and, like, 
just the time that we usually record the podcast would come and go and we would just not say anything. But, like, <laughs> if that's your job, like, there's no escaping. That's um, why we're both, like, I love a job in sports, but I'm, like, then I have to... Well, I guess if it was anybody else, I probably don't, like, have any stakes. I do feel that, like, nervousness when I'm, like, watching on behalf of another team that I'm covering, but... With Michigan specifically, it's, like, super personal. And I yeah. take great offense. So, <laughs> I agree. Um, I, so it's I more also so specifically, ch- all the people that watch Michigan games with their eyes open the entire time. I don't know how you do it. And then, I know it's because of your job, but it's also sort of kind of my job and your job, and yet we don't have the ability to do that. Maybe that's, like, the goal for 2023. I watch an entire game without pouting. I'm sure you've watched entire games without pouting in 2022. They gave you a lot of chances for that. But specifically, like, a high-stakes one. Oh. Yeah, no. Yeah. No. Um. (laughs) I haven't. (laughs) I also... I watched one basketball game, and, um... It was the UVA game, and I asked to turn it off at least 12 times, and then I got yelled at. Well, not yelled at, but... (laughs) (laughs) Alex is not pleased with me. (laughs) Like, the Um, point of watching games is to watch them. And then turn it off when things go south. I don't understand why that wasn't a mutual thing. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I think you and I have in common that, like, most sports fans Hmm. seem not to have in common? Is that neither of us have any like tendency to enjoy close games like most sports fans are like these are the games i live for like this is what sports is all about and you and i are like no give me a blowout like any day of the week and i don't know if i've met anyone else who has our preference i would prefer to win by two scores every time or three or four for basketball a nice solid eight point cushion but you know beggars can't be choosers i guess And I'm just going to beg and plead and cry for blowouts, but I'll never get that. <laughs> okay. Um, also, can we but just back note to that... Our, you know... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can we just note that Jake Moody, um, his record for the longest yeah. Michigan field goal, he was breaking Quinn Nordine's record. What are your thoughts on that? Quinn Nordine had a 57 yards record. 57 yards against Bama in the Citrus Bowl. No way. Right? <laughs> oh, I'm a Jake. I'm a Jake Moody fan and a Jake Moody stan. So I am so glad that Quinn Nordine's right. I cannot believe Quinn Nordine. And on his last record. game of the season too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not shocked, but I'm also like shocked that Jake Moody didn't have like a 57 yarder. But maybe he had like a 56 or something. I know he's kicked one like over 50 yards. Yeah. I mean, like the longest. Um, in, in NFL history is 66. So, like, they're getting... He's getting up there and, like, just long field goal. High numbers. In all honesty, like, wherever, like, Jake Moody lands, I might get a jersey. <laughs> oh! We should get Moody Michigan jerseys. I guess, like, while we still have the time, we should. Yeah. I kind of want, like, a Jake Moody, like, NFL jersey. Because he's going to be so good in the NFL. Can't wait to draft him for my fantasy team. I mean, I might have to fight a bunch of people for him first, but oh wait, no, we don't have. Well, you have to do our do kickers. How does how does fantasy football work? Do you have to have a kicker, or do you just like choose players? 
It depends on your league. Okay. So then my main league, I don't. we don't have kickers. But in my family league, we do have kickers. So I'm getting Jake Moody because that one has my dad and my brother and they're not going to want a Michigan player. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So really quickly, and we don't have a ton of time for this because per usual, we found things to talk about even though our outline looked short. Um, mm-hmm. There are rumors that Jim Harbaugh is going to the NFL. If you're a Michigan fan, you've it's, lived through yeah. these rumors every year that you can remember. Either it's Jim Harbaugh's horrible and he's going to get fired and go to the NFL, or Jim Harbaugh is too good mm-hmm. and the NFL is going to swoop him out from under our feet. Um, mm-hmm. Last year, it got really close. Like he was actually he interviewed with an NFL team and then he came back and was like, mm-hmm. "I'm never going to do that again. I love you." And then like a month ago, he said that he would for sure be coming back next year in 2023. The rumors persisted. Some people are like, this is BS. Like, he literally just said he's coming back. Why do these rumors always persist? They do seem to come from, Mm -hmm. like, slightly more credible sources this time around. Like, it's not just, like, oh, he could Mm -hmm. leave. It's, like, actual, like, reputable publications saying, like, he's in talks with these specific teams. Um, It's annoying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. You were about to say something. This is just a – no, I was just like, this is just a normal January for Michigan fans. Yeah. It does seem to be, like – a. A little realer like I mean last year was the mm-hmm. closest that it actually came um and if Harbaugh is interviewing very much could be this year yeah <laughs> and if he really is talking to NFL teams like I'm sorry but like his words mean nothing anymore because he can't come back and be like I'm enthusiastically gonna be the head coach like just don't say that <laughs> um it's only a matter of time before these rumors hurt recruiting but what I did want to say I know Michigan fans are sick of this discourse and I know that plenty of people are like this is like these rumors come up every year why are we listening to them um a perspective I heard from a devil's advocate but like wouldn't if you're a recruit and you see that like your coach is constantly being like because like everyone says Harbaugh was a do that was successful at coaching in the NFL and he's been like exceptionally exceptional um successful in Michigan barring 2020 like wouldn't you be like enticed to go like, go play there not if you like, think you know, he's gonna leave and not be that, your head coach I mean that's very fair but at the same time it's like a dual-edged sword be like I want to go play for a dude that has been super successful in both stages because I want to go to the NFL whether or not he stays is obviously up for up in the air and like you're rolling that risk but at the same time I'm like well you know Harbaugh every year has had interest from the NFL and so that just means like do I run do I roll the dice I don't know yeah no that's true like it's kind of like the Juwan Howard effect of like this is a guy who knows how the NBA works so he knows what to do to get me there um yeah literally I mean that was like the whole thing when we were like brought in Harbaugh in, like, 15, or, like, oh, you know, this is going to be great for recruiting, like, this is an NFL guy who has, like, deep connections to the NFL, like, and those things still exist, and are even more so because, you know, NFL organizations are still reaching out to him to be like, hey, come coach my team. So that yeah. hasn't necessarily gone away. I still think it hurts. Like connection between Harbaugh and the NFL, but it could definitely, yeah, I'm not saying that it doesn't come yeah, I still think it hurts recruiting if players can't time. trust that he'll mm-hmm. be there. Um, That's very true. But I do think this is, like, the perspective that I recently heard that's not from a credible source. 
um, but, um <laughs> is that like it, I, it makes I'm not gonna share my source, but it's it's not credible, <laughs> but it makes a lot of sense. Um, is okay. So Harbaugh took a big pay cut in 2020, which was basically the mm-hmm. athletic director's compromise for not firing him because a lot of people wanted him fired in 2020, and they were like, "We're not gonna fire him, but we're gonna like significantly lower his buyout and cut his salary." And the the deal was, like, if he could turn things around, that he would have a higher bio and a higher salary. He turned things around. Like, he made the college football playoffs and beat Ohio State in both of the years after that and is due for that raise. And I don't know what kinds of egos are involved. Well, I kind of do, but I'm not going to say anything about the kinds of egos that are involved over at the University of Michigan. But... People will say, like, Harbaugh doesn't care about the money. He donated a good chunk of his salary. And I do think that's somewhat true, but I do think he really cares about being respected and getting the respect he deserves mm-hmm. for the seasons he just had. And I think that if he doesn't feel like he's getting that respect, the one form of leverage he can have, because he can't, like, publicly negotiate or, like, put out a statement saying, I'll stay at Michigan and, like, you know, use that as leverage. The one form of leverage he can have is saying, like, I'm leaving for this other job if you don't increase my pay. And that doesn't mean he wants to leave, but I think he wants respect. And the low buyout is kind of a, like, punch in the gut for him. Like, that's kind of insulting for how um, how successful he's been the past, past couple of years. So that's that's what makes the most sense to me. I would guess that's what's going on. I don't think it's just rumors out of nowhere that he's talking to NFL teams, but I also doubt he wants to go to the NFL. I think those rumors are coming because he's probably using them as leverage in contract renegotiations. That's true. And I also like kind of see the truth in um, people saying that I'm pretty sure that's what they say every year as well. Now that I'm thinking about it, but uh, another aspect of it is just his like growing frustrations with the college football play like landscape. And, you know, that's that's nothing new (laughs) but uh at the same time i'm like you can see how like where things are going and just think how things are operating and obviously he can too and it's not gonna go like where he wants it to so like not necessarily like be better in that regard but i think that has been a part of it for years now and it hasn't been like the do or die for him leaving so it's probably something more, like, internal than that. Yeah. But I'm not an insider, so I truly do not know. But I do think... But, like, a lot of the yeah. things that are being said are, like, things that are, like, you know... And the old song and dance are back, is, so old... to speak. And, and I was trying to stipulate, like, what is, like, the reason why. Right. Like, I think there is a narrative that it's just for clicks, that, like, these publications put out that Harbaugh's going to the NFL mm-hmm. just to, like, make money. I don't... I mean, I don't think those publications are above that, but I just, I don't really buy that, Um, especially because last year after Harbaugh, like, really was in talks with the NFL, I want to say we found Mm -hmm. out after, and I don't remember if this was, like, publicly out there or if I just, like, heard it from people who, like, know things, (laughs) but, like, it was Mm -hmm. very much because of the song and dance with the AD. Like, that's what was going on. And so if that's going on again, that makes sense to me (laughs) oh yeah 
That doesn't okay. make sense to me. But just so you know, okay. there's a lot of song and dances going on right now, and it's usually the same song and dances from, like, being an obvious thing to test the waters in the NFL yet again for whatever reason. I mean, obviously the reason being, like, you're a really good coach and you could be paid more money. To, you know, all the, like, ins and outs of the inner drama that we don't see that are behind closed doors and negotiating for stuff with our AD. And um, to, you know. And just a quick food for thought. I wonder how having a new university president will affect things. I was thinking about this yesterday. There's a a lot to think about there, so let's not go into it. But I do think it could actually affect things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So true. Do you want to vibe the next vibe? I can. Okay. So, as we probably all have seen, or maybe like a lot of us have seen, and if you have not, um, yesterday the Buffalo Bills in the Cincinnati Bengals um, went to meet at the Monday Night Football game, and late into the first quarter, uh, Demar Hamlin went in for a tackle, T. Higgins, and then when he was standing up. He immediately collapsed shortly after, and a medical professional was rushed to the field, performed CPR for a number amount of minutes, and um, he was taken away to uh, University of Cincinnati Hospital, where um, he's been, well, I don't know what status he's at currently, and a lot of us are still obviously waiting on more information regarding that. But obviously, it was a super scary situation to witness. Uh, they postponed the game till a later date but it took them a while to get to that point and we couldn't stand here as a sports podcast and not address uh, the the darker side of football is what a lot of people have been saying and this is a sport that we deeply love and deeply care about and for the most of the time that you're watching you kind of forget the like human aspect of it And you kind of forget, like, you know, this is a dangerous sport to play. And there's a lot of information on how it, like, impacts um, these men on all sorts of different levels. And it's scary to see that football can be a situation of life and death. Like, there was a real possibility that if those medical professionals weren't there in time, that someone could have died on that field. And um, someone being uh, safety Hamlin. But... Um, so we here want to, if you want to have more information about it, we're going to be discussing a portion of the book. Um, what, what is it called again? It's called yeah. Loving Sports When They Don't Love You Back by Jessica Luther and Kavitha Davidson. Yeah, specifically there, uh, is it the opening chapter mm-hmm. that kind of discusses like, uh, you know, like CTE, that kind of stuff, um. Uh, and just general, like, being able to, like, kind of reckon with loving a sport so much and then knowing that in the back of your head, like, uh, this could be, like, traumatizing to these athletes and traumatizing to you watching it and just being able to reckon with loving sports but then, like, not forgetting the human aspect of it. And um, just... It being just really, it's being a space where we can have that discussion, um, and then you to kind of like work through your own thoughts about it. We kind of want to be a space where that can be like a fruitful conversation, and to, to just kind of like be able to like navigate through something that is scary like that. And 
it would be remiss if we didn't do it. And especially because we love football and we love Michigan football. And like a lot of people were saying um, when they were talking about DeMar Hamlin yesterday is this was this 24 year old dream. He wanted to play in the NFL and with playing in the NFL and with achieving that dream come risks. And we often forget those inherent risks and our athletes that we love so dearly in Ann Arbor, they want to achieve the same things. Um, and so I think it's super important that we're informed on these things and to be able to just remember that like even though football here in the United States is a multi-billion dollar industry and yes on the college level as well um that it's important to remember that these men and women in other sports are still human beings and I think it's a I think it's going to be really great we're going to do a little mini episode um please join us if you would like to and reading that section that we're going to go over we'll have it posted um Maybe if we want to link the chapter in the comments or in the little description, we'll do that as well. Um, but again, um, just because of what this platform is and our role in sharing the ongoings on of sports, um, I kind of felt that it was necessary to like touch on that a little bit. And I'm glad that Han had the resources um, that we'll be able to go over together. So stay tuned for that. And stay safe out there. Send prayers to Damar Hamlin and his family. And as always, go blue. Go blue. Yeah.